welcome to episode number 34 of the Canadian Prepper Podcast, recorded August 21st, 2019. My name's Eric. I'm the host of the show. I'm based in southern Ontario. I'm a hunter, target shooter, ham radio operator, VE3 EPN, and computer geek. Uh, I got into preparedness when I was working frontline emergency services and witnessed an over-reliance on emergency services during major events such as ice storms, power outages, etc. I started a small preparedness company to help people get prepared and to be able to better look after themselves for at least 72 hours, if not longer. My name is Ian, and I live on a small hobby farm in BC. I'm an outdoor enthusiast, sport shooter, reloader, field officer for the CCFR, and my farm's designated handyman. And hello from the East Coast. Uh, my name is Hughes, and I am from Nova Scotia. Uh, I'm a Canadian Armed Forces veteran, uh, current volunteer firefighter and station chief, and also a volunteer uh, search and rescue uh, technician and a uh, prepper at heart. Um, I've been preaching and living the prepper lifestyle to varying degrees for the last six years or so. Um, and this was born out of necessity to ensure uh, the short-term survival of my family, which includes three young children. If you want to help support the show and uh, keep the Canadian Prepper Podcast on the air, you can buy a Canadian Prepper Podcast t-shirt at uh, rapidsurvival.com. All the proceeds uh, help keep the lights on and the backup generator fueled. If you're enjoying the show, please take a few minutes and like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash Canadian Prepper Podcast and submit a review on iTunes. Also, we want your feedback, good or bad. I'll take the one star if need be. Let us know if there's a topic you want us to cover, or if you like or dislike something we're doing. You can email us at feedback at preferpodcast.ca. All right, so we've got some uh, cryptic content for you in this episode. Uh, we're going to start off with some news articles related to preparedness in the outdoors. Uh, next, we'll be letting you know about how we've improved our preparedness since our last episode. Then we're going to get into the main topic for this episode, keeping your internet and communications secure. So move into some news. All right, I got a couple of exciting stories for you. The uh, first one was on the West Coast here. Uh, grizzly stalks a hiker, then the conservation officers. So I put the uh, link in the show notes. But a small grizz at 350 pounds um, basically wasn't taking no for an answer from a hiker. So he uh, took a chunk out of the hiker's leg then the back of his, well, his back, including one of his kidneys. Uh, the guy fought off the bear with eye gouges, used a small pocket knife finally to stab it a few times, uh, ended up having to give himself a makeshift tourniquet. Rode his bike down to the camp, and uh, the guys that he ran to did well with basic first aid just to get him to the uh, local medical aid station. The funny part is that uh, the second part of this story is uh, the links in the show notes as well. As they sent the conservation officers out to go take care of the wounded bear, and the bear ended up uh, obviously had a taste for human flesh, was stalking them, and the one conservation officer had to turn around and shoot the bear at four yards distance because it was making a charge for him too from behind. Oh, wow. wow. <laughs> <laughs> so it's almost like the, the grizzly bear hunt that was stopped here a few years ago uh, has now led to an overpopulation of bears and a lack of food for them. Hmm. Almost. Almost like that. Almost. Yeah. <laughs> but some good articles, uh, really good reading. Um, especially the, the, I guess, the lack of, uh, uh, I guess, it, the guy just didn't give up, right? He just uh, he went through this bear attack and, and patched himself together and no matter what, made his way down the hill and saved himself, basically. It was really good. Uh, second article I had for you guys was uh, more of a funny one. I couldn't resist when I saw the word zombie deer apocalypse in the headlines. Uh, how, can, how can you not read that article, right? Especially so in this podcast, you have to. <laughs> exactly. So uh, it's about chronic wasting disease, and uh, it's just a fact that chronic wasting disease is kind of like Jakob Kreutzfeldt disease for, for deer. But there's concerns that it may have already spread uh, from animal to human uh, transmission. So they're concerned that because the gestation period is so long, that they might still see more some transmission coming down the road. They just haven't been able to prove it yet. 
Hmm. So it was very interesting. Anyway, so just don't eat deer brains and deer spines right now. Or if you're a zombie, you can go ahead and eat the deer brains. Yeah, it might be yeah. too late for you already. <laughs> Wasn't on the menu, but I'll make note of it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so I've got a couple of news articles here. Uh, one in regards to uh, how uh, Canadian municipalities have lost money to fraudsters and hackers. Um, so if you've been paying attention to uh, any kind of techie news the last little while, uh, that's a big thing right now. Um, the crypto... Um, malware that's going around encrypting all of the uh, computer systems and such. Uh, hackers are, are purposely targeting municipalities. Uh, a few in and around my area have been targeted as well and uh, locking down their files and then causing them to uh, either seek out a way to decrypt things or they're saying, hey, pay us a ransom of X amount of Bitcoin and it's in the hundreds, hundreds of thousands, if not millions of dollars, and uh, we'll give you the code to decrypt it. Um, the funny thing is, is that municipalities are actually paying their ransom. Uh, they're realizing that it's cheaper for them to uh, to pay the ransom to get the data back than it is for them to uh, employ technicians or or other specialists to uh, attempt to decrypt the files to get it back. And uh, a lot of them seem to either be encrypting their backups as well, or they don't have adequate backups to begin with. So uh, interesting news article there. Um, and I guess from the, the hacker side of things, it makes sense to, uh, to target the municipalities because they're paying up. I guess crime right. does pay, right? Uh, apparently, <laughs> if you want to encrypt data, it pays. Yeah, not but, that I would suggest uh, doing it. <laughs> I would say I, this is just like the the Cold War escalation, right? I mean, sooner or later, there's scams like some guy that's actually going to be able to track down the hackers, and for a fee, he'll tell you where the hackers are. And, you know, oh, I'm sure. And then yeah. you know, it's just yeah, it's just like the, the bigger and better weapon. Every oh, time. I'm sure it's coming. Yeah, but. That was an interesting one, and I figured uh, I'd, I'd keep it uh, kind of techie for this uh, this episode. So I have another news article here in regards to uh, millions of Canadians' data exposed after hacker targets Capital One. Uh, so that was uh, a breach that saw 100 million uh, in the United States uh, and 6 million individuals in Canada had um, their data exposed in a, in a hack from uh, Capital One. Uh, it seems more often than not, we're hearing that now in the news in regards to uh, different uh, various locations and uh, companies having their their information or their systems breached and then uh, per people's uh, personal data is getting out there and uh, being sold on the internet. So just something to be aware of if you want to read over the article and, and just see uh, you know things such as social insurance numbers were, uh, were included. So that's obviously not something you want out there and, and home addresses and zip codes and postal codes, phone numbers, email addresses, dates of birth, anything anybody would need to uh, assume your identity was uh, was exposed in this breach. So obviously not something you want to have happen and, and something that uh, is somewhat out of your control if you're a customer. But Yeah, I had that happen to me a couple of years ago where the bank flew up and said, you didn't just try and buy a $30,000 boat, did you? I was like... <laughs> <laughs> no, if I, but I, if, if I if stay I, no, can I keep the boat? <laughs> exactly. And, and I was like, well, I depends. I, I looked at my wife. I was like, would you be mad if I did, honey? <laughs> She's like, yeah, I know you're you're not getting a boat. So anyway, yeah. So sure enough, uh, somebody had uh, figured out uh, my you know my identity and went through a little minor identity theft episode. But uh, they were the banks are really good about it. They you know nothing ended up uh, coming my way for charges. So yeah, I had uh, one of my debit cards uh, skimmed years ago now, but. Uh, was skimmed at a local business. I, I could figure out which one it was because uh, my my father had been to the same one, and we both got breached in the same week, and it was the only common place we both gone to. Um, but same thing, they took about eight hundred bucks or so out of my bank account. But the bank was awesome about it. Signed a quick affidavit saying it wasn't me, and the the money was back in the account quick. But still, it's not something you want to have happen if you can avoid it. No, oh, that's awesome. It's good. Yeah. 
Uh, and for me, I guess the uh, the one article I have um, is just about the uh, current hurricane season. Uh, so for a lot of us on the East Coast, uh, both of Canada and the United States, hurricanes are a big threat. Uh, and uh, for me, it's one of the reasons why I got into prepping, uh, because back in the early 2000s, Hurricane Juan hit Halifax, uh, the, the Halifax area, as a low Category 2, uh, and we were out of power for 18 days. Um, so that's really what got my mindset into uh, prepping and being ready for more than 72 hours because of the fact that uh, we were out of power for so long. So currently they're uh, predicting a normal hurricane season. Uh, the peak of it is usually between August 20th to September 11th. Uh, and so far we've only had three named storms uh, come up through the Atlantic, which have really amounted to nothing. Um, so people are wondering, is this the calm before the storm or um, are we in for uh, a really quiet hurricane season? I would like a quiet hurricane season because um, I, I hate watching storms brewing and working their way up towards the East Coast. But uh, so that's uh, the one article because that's the one thing that I follow very closely towards the end of August and into so September and early October uh, for hurricane season here. And I'm sure millions and millions of other people along the East Coast and the Eastern Seaboard uh, follow that as well. Yeah, I guess it's uh, it's an average thing, so might as well enjoy it while it's quiet, right? Right, and the thing is, is on the East Coast, I mean, we are not plagued with things like uh, tornadoes or earthquakes. Um, I mean, we're built on uh, granite slate rock, so we don't have earthquakes and we don't have the right uh, temperatures for tornadoes. So, uh, you know, a hurricane is really the one thing that can come up and uh, devastate us. So uh, that's what we keep an eye, a really close eye out on here. Oh, it's good to keep an eye open. Uh, so let's move into what we've done lately for our preps. Alrighty, so what we've done lately for preps is brought to you by Get Out, Stay Out Canada. They are the creators of the Get Out, Stay Out Campfire Grill. They can be found at uh, getoutstayout.ca. Great. Hughes. Um, yeah, so I actually uh, managed to acquire through a friend uh, six of these uh, twist lock uh, five gallon food uh, grade uh, containers uh, and uh, I got those for free. Um, so what I've done is uh, I've gone through and I've gone through my uh, my prepper fund. It's just a, a set amount of money I put aside every paycheck to uh, to fund prep so I don't have to go into debt uh, to fund any of this and uh, looking to um, equip all of these um, buckets uh, with survival su supplies be it uh, food preparation, uh, medical supplies, um, uh, food preparation, sanitation, all that kind of stuff. And uh, over the course of the coming weeks, uh, especially during hunting season, I'll be uh, kind of making little caches around uh, my three main escape routes. Uh, the one that leads out of the province, one that leads to our cottage, and one that leads to my remote uh, hunting camp so that I have uh, two caches along each, each route uh, with a five gallon bucket worth of survival supplies. It's not going to be top of the line gear. I mean, I'm not going to invest, you know, a thousand dollars a bucket. Uh, but, you know, we all know that, you know, a hundred dollars um, can get you a long way when it comes to that type of sur survival stuff. So that's the big thing I'll be doing. Um, and the other thing I did is uh, I've been spending a couple hours every night going through all of my preps. Uh, meaning that I go through each one of my individual bins um, that has the different types of preps in it, make sure that anything that's expired gets refreshed, uh, and make sure that anything like electronics, uh, make sure that those all work, fire them up, update them, uh, make sure that the radios are working, um, just, just all that kind of stuff. So I try to do that twice a year. Um, I've been a little bit behind now, so I'm catching up and uh, hopefully we'll be able to do it in the, in the, um, in the spring again. Uh, but that's what I've done, uh, at least in the last two weeks or so. Oh, awesome. You've been busy. Uh, for myself, I uh, got the baby's room all set up. 
uh, new light in the ceiling, new coat of paint on the wall, uh, getting ready for that uh, future little prepper. So it's coming up quick. Uh, and then in the spirit of today's episode, uh, I also hardwired the office, uh, aka the recording studio, uh, with Cat6 uh, Ethernet cable uh, from the, the network rack in the basement up to the second floor here. Uh, also deployed a new Ubiquiti access point for all, all the wireless uh, toys and devices. Uh, went over all the firewall settings, ensured everything's locked down, configured the Ubiquiti uh, access points and locked it down as well so I don't have un any unwanted users or the uh, nosy neighbor down the road stealing internet from me. So, Okay, first of all, just so you know, full disclosure, there's no way you're going to be able to be prepared for a baby. That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> <laughs> Good luck. I, I'm realizing this uh, very quickly, yes. but uh, Yeah. I, I remember everybody told me when I had it first, they're like, oh, you know, this is going to totally change your life. I'm like, yeah, yeah, as long as it comes with me on the golf game, it'll be great, you know, and I'll yeah. just bring it along to all my stuff. And I was like, oh, yeah, no, that's not happening. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, big, uh, big change. Oh, yeah. Uh, might as well start our learning process before I get into what I did. Uh, what's the difference between Cat 5 and Cat 6, and what's Ubiquity AC? Uh, so Cat 5, Cat 6 is just a type of cabling, uh, and it just talk. It, Cat six runs a little bit faster than Cat five uh, or Cat five oh. e. Um, Ubiquity is just uh, a brand name for a uh, an access point. So it's um, I guess most people would know it as like a, a wireless router or a Wi-Fi router. Um, it's not a router though; it's only an access point. Well, okay, yeah, because I was uh, I used to wire my house with Cat five. I was wondering if I've never heard of Cat six before. So. Yeah, probably Cat five e versus Cat six, but. Oh, so you've already gotten full nerd already. <laughs> I brought my pocket protector, yeah. <laughs> That's right. All right. So I, I think it all, comes, it all comes down to the sustained transfer speeds. Um, yeah. So if you're moving if you're moving small files, you won't see a difference. But if you're moving like, you know, 10 gigs at a time, you're going to see a difference in, in, in the sustained speed. That's or if you're just a giant there. geek like me, you'll, you'll notice just because you notice. You'll just geek out on it, yeah. <laughs> and you'll run speed tests all day, right? Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> self self ping type of thing yeah right all right uh, so for myself uh berry harvest continues um the wife and i actually had run in with her own local bear and the very next day we ran to mama bear and two cubs and the dogs once again saved the day both days so that was good uh, i had a 300 pound male the one day uh which is large for an island bear and then i had a meetup with a local like-minded guy that was pretty good so hopefully he's listening tonight uh stocked up the woodshed which is uh something i've been putting off a little too much got to get that done for the next month before uh the rain season starts. Uh, had to do a little bit of farm maintenance. So that takes away time from prepping. And then, of course, back to the night shift tonight. So uh, that's pretty much it for me. Awesome. awesome. Well, maybe we'll move into the main topic of the show then. Uh, people will notice that uh, Alan is not here this evening. Um, he sent a message quickly before the show started. His power's out. So uh, as he said, the, uh, the most secure computer uh, out there is the one that's not connected to anything. And that is him currently. No power, nice. no computer, right. no internet. Well, he's he's not wrong. Demonstrating perfect internet security right now. Yeah, it's good. But unfortunately, he can't join us. <laughs> uh, so uh, internet communication security, they're both uh, one and the same and separate. Right? We use the internet to communicate globally. Uh, we can use it uh, for other means of communication, uh, or we can use other means of communication to communicate locally as well. Um, and you can use, obviously, the internet to communicate locally, but it's, it's more on a, a global scale. Uh, local communication, you know, you could be talking about family band radio, which I'm sure everybody's uh, familiar with by now. Uh, keeping in mind with family band, uh, privacy channels doesn't always make it private. It, sure, it says privacy channel, but 
you're always transmitting in the clear, right? So you can you can go on channel four, privacy, whatever, 12. Uh, all it takes is somebody else to scan around the privacy channels and pick you up or have a scanner and know how to do it. They can still hear you. And that's uh, the family band, the same as FRS, right? Yes, yeah, FRS, uh, family radio system, uh, family band, same thing. Uh, one and the same, just different ways of saying it. Uh, landline telephones, people still have those. <laughs> uh, keep in mind that uh, your cordless phone can still be intercepted, right? So, uh, uh, actually, and, and that on that note, so you can since I'm studying for a ham exam still, believe it or not. Uh, so, cordless phones operate in the same frequencies as some ham frequencies, correct? I'm not. Uh, you know what? I haven't looked up uh, the frequencies that um, that cell phones or not cell phones. Sorry, on the cordless phones transmit. I don't think they're far off a ham frequency. Yeah, it seems uh, like there's some shared frequencies, and some of them may be cordless phones. Ah, could be. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. But, uh, remember the day you used to pick up your phone, your cordless phone, you'd hear like the neighbor's conversation going on. All right. But, uh, still possible, right? So some those cordless phones, they don't encrypt um, no. conversations or anything, right? So no, right. not at all. It's all in the clear. So something to keep in mind. Um, ham radio on, on that topic, completely in the clear. Uh, it's uh, it's against the rules to use any form of unpublished encryption. Uh, so you're, if you're on the other end, uh, even if my message, message isn't destined for you, you're still going to be able to decipher it, or you have to be able to. The the type of uh, encryption or the type of uh, system you're using has to be publicly available. Um, a great example of that is Morse code. You can use that right. on ham radio all you want. Uh, it's publicly available. Somebody else can listen to it and... and it might take you a bit to figure out how to decipher it all. Some of the guys on Morse code go mock a million with it, uh, but it is a system, so it it needs to be it needs to be published. Um, you can use CTCSS or a continuous tone coded squelch system. Uh, that's a system that uh, you put in a, a different tone, and your radio and the radio you're communicating with has to have that same tone in order to uh, hear what's being transmitted. If you don't have that tone. You're not going to hear it, but again, it, it takes nothing to scan and, and just pick it up and figure out what tone's being used if you have the knowledge. Um, same with uh, digital tone squelch or DCS. Uh, it just makes it harder. So you can you can talk to a friend and say, hey, you know what? Let's uh, let's use this ham radio frequency and let's use uh, this CTCSS uh, tone. Chances are nobody's going to be listening to you, but there is a possibility that if somebody wants to be nosy and they they know that uh, some chatter is going on on the frequency, they can scan, pick up the tone you're using and then uh, patch in and listen to you. Uh, but it is a, a small way of, of making things semi-private, but again, just be uh, be mindful that um, somebody can still listen in. Um, so those are a couple of local ways of communication anyways, and, and some, some things to keep in mind as far as privacy goes. Um, but we can move into the, uh, the digital world of the internet, because I'm sure that's what everybody's here to learn about. Uh, so a couple of things to, uh, to keep in mind, uh, Facebook, what you post is there forever. You know, everybody loves uh, the prepper community out on Facebook. Uh, there's lots. There's lots of forums out there. There's lots of groups and pages out there. Uh, our page is there. If you want to visit it, go ahead. Uh, but keep in mind that if you post something on on Facebook on a group, it's there forever. Uh, yeah, you're showing and you're showing off some gear too, right? You're showing off what you have. Um, so yeah, you want to help out the community. You want to show people, hey, here's what, what I did. Here's what I how I made things. Here's what I have but it's publicly available as well. So you gotta keep kind of security in mind. What do you wanna share versus what do you not necessarily people wanna know that you uh, you have? 
And one thing about that too, um, you know, I've been hearing a lot of be- these red flagging rules um, that are coming up in the U.S. or re- red flagging laws. I'm sorry, um, where people, you know, will exercise their, their free speech right, post things on the internet. Next thing you know, um, you know what they call the 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 alphabet boys, um, you know, the ATF, the CIA, <laughs> FBI, or whatnot, are showing up at your door, and you've been red flagged for your comments. Um, and and so you just got to be careful with that, right? Even if you're in a private group in Facebook. Um, like you said, it's it's all public. It's all there, right? Uh, Big Brother has, has access to to it. And if anybody thinks that, you know, for a second that, you know, if the Alphabet Boys um, show up to Facebook with a court order that they're not going to turn over the data, like you're dead wrong, right? So um, oh. just got to be careful about that stuff. Yeah, keep in mind, um, like Facebook keeps logs of everything, right? So just because it's in a private group that you, the end user, can see, right? Facebook still has access to all yeah. that. Yeah. See, I was happily off Facebook for like more than a decade. <laughs> because I, when I joined the CCFR, one of the caveats was I had to go on Facebook Messenger to try to get a profile going again. So this all kind of came back into play about three or four months ago for me. Um, you know, your personal profile does it definitely tells a lot, right? I mean, like you mentioned, the, the posts are forever, but keep in mind future job considerations. Some people might not agree with your point of view. Um, right. Hey, I'd love to have a stalker. I never had one, but you know, <laughs> you, might, you might get one. Uh, potential yep. burglary. Uh, you know, as far as this personal security thing, if you post a picture of the awesome like pile of supplies you have there and, and thirty guns or whatever, you might be inviting somebody to come visit you and take what you have. Like, you know, normal normal rule of law, right? Or even right. if uh, um, you post that you're away for a significant period of time or you're gone on vacation, yeah. everybody knows you're gone. These are yeah. basic basic social engineering things, right? Oh yeah. Um, yeah. It, it doesn't take much to to figure out what somebody's doing or what they have and um you know when when i was um away in the military the one thing that they said is don't post anything because the enemy is not stupid they're going to look and piece together what we're doing based on the little breadcrumbs that we leave and that could be the telltale um things that we're seeing on facebook um could be the pictures that, that we're posting but you know they can they can quickly put all that together and and determine the size of the force that we have the equipment that we have the training we're going through right um same thing just just think about opsec right so oh there's that case well, a while ago too where um all the military folks were using the fitbits and running around right. like private bases that nobody knew about and they were uploading their runs and their data and stuff to Fitbit and then there was little heat maps of where everybody's using it and out in the middle of nowhere is all these runs and physical activities going on. Like Area 51. Public, right? <laughs> Area 51, well, yeah, yeah. And even, even though it, was, it was on the front page of McLean so we can talk about it, but I mean Camp Barrage in, in the UAE, I mean that was one of the prime examples of the Fitbit thing is that yeah. the Canadians that supposedly weren't there were, <laughs> were showing all their runs in the middle of the uh, the Emirati Desert, which was kind of funny. Right. Yeah. But uh, yeah, so I mean, certainly not breaking any OPSEC with that because, yeah, like I said, front page of a magazine kind of gives it away. Um, the other thing I was going to mention there with the, the online Facebook stuff is that, uh, you know, if the man thinks that you're owning stuff you shouldn't, that's a problem too. There was a, uh, I put an article down further down the show notes where basically one young buck uh, put a couple airsoft pistols on his on his Facebook page and showing off that he was going to go all gangsta. It turns out they were airsoft pistols, but he didn't have an RPAL. So when the police showed up his door, I wanted to see the pistols he had, and uh, it turned into a bit of a big deal. And uh, because he's trying to show off to show how cool he was, and yeah, you know, when you think people aren't watching, they are. So yep. And then uh, the other prime example was the uh, the latest uh, uh, Jessica Yanev or Jonathan Yanev, whatever you want to call her, him. It. Anyway, <laughs> she she decided to show off the uh, prohibited device, the taser. On the, oh yes, the, right. I saw yeah, that. the live stream there with uh, with Blair White, and uh, so she's showing how she's going to tase the next person that comes to get her. And yeah, it's totally illegal in Canada. And yep. she was surprised when they showed up at her door, 
and arrested her for having a prohibited device, which has a mandatory minimum sentence, which should be interesting to see if they actually pursue that Go one. through with that, yeah. Yeah, yeah. because, uh, you know, political correctness and stuff. But the fact is that she basically, or he, whatever, it, incrim- it incriminated itself, so... Yep. Yeah. Anyways, you got you got to be careful what what you say because like um like you mentioned earlier on the show you can't you can't take it back right once it's there you can they'll delete it it's it's you know if somebody saw it and make makes a complaint they'll go back and grab it and it's it's done right that's it so or even the ability to just screenshot something right just because you've deleted right. it and it's gone doesn't mean somebody else is, hasn't already made a copy of it yeah and you can claim it was doctored they'll go back and look at the logs oh, and yeah. and they'll just prove it wasn't right so yeah. yeah. Uh, another thing, uh, a popular topic, uh, especially in the preparedness uh, community, is uh, what chat app do you use? Uh, so a couple, a uh, couple of ones. WhatsApp is is one very popular app uh, that many people use, not only in the preparedness community but uh, all around the world. Um, good things about it, end to end encryption. Uh, it's looked after by the devices, so not a central server. So it's not like you're sending your information to the server and then it's encrypting things. It's end-to-end and it's looked after by your device. So that means your communication is secure while it's in transit. So from person A to person B, or if you're in a group chat, it's encrypted all the way through. Um, but keep in mind that can be disabled too in WhatsApp. So it is on by default, but right. start clicking around in the settings at one point, you disable it, you're transmitting in the clear again. Um, and the the big thing, it, it's owned by Facebook. Yeah. So, so if I could mention, I, I used to um, not that long ago work for a now defunct um, messaging app, <laughs> um, and I can tell you right now that uh, you know for me it 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 comes down to good enough security, right? Um, you know, I don't I don't have anything to hide from uh, Big Brother, or the government, anything like that, and I'm more worried about bad actors or the man in the middle or, or somebody out um, to scam me or, or whatnot, right? So to me, it comes with, you know, you have to balance, you know, um, pra- practicality and, and security, right? And when it comes to things like WhatsApp, you do have end-to-end um, encryption. You know that Facebook has the pockets um, to, you know, build a secure, robust network, which we know that WhatsApp has high reliability, high security and all that kind of stuff. So to me, that's, that's, that's justification enough to go to a service like that as opposed to something that's really, really lockdown um like some of the other apps out there like signal and whisper and telegram uh which are also run out of um you know eastern european countries for the most part so yeah and the uh the one thing with uh with whatsapp is uh they can still extract metadata from your habits so like who you're talking to how frequently how often so they can they can still tie connections together um they can still pull a little bit of information to to serve you ads as such um, so something to keep in mind, but the content of the message is still and then encrypted. Um, but again, if somebody gets a hold of your device, well, they can read all the messages. So it's, or if they get a hold of the other person's device that you're talking to. Correct. Yes. Right. Yeah. So either, either device that has the messages, as soon as they get physical access to those devices, well, they've got access to the messages. That's it. Yeah. Uh, Signal apps, another one. Uh, the nice thing with Signal is it's open source. So if you're a programmer, you can uh, you can get the source code. You can look it over. You can see exactly what it's doing. Uh, everything's operated via the Signal protocol. Uh, uses the same end-to-end encryption setup as WhatsApp. So same thing. Uh, the devices are are what does the encryption. It's not some central server. Um, like I said, the nice part is it's open source. So anybody can poke at the source code, verify it's doing what you think. Uh, it is looked after by a community of uh, of security-minded uh, developers. 
but you do have the opportunity if you can read the code to, to look at it yourself as well, which is kind of nice. Uh, another one is, is Telegram. Uh, if anybody's familiar with Telegram, same uh, same kind of idea. Uh, I know a lot uh, in the preparedness uh, community have kind of moved to, to Telegram. Uh, also kind of shied away from WhatsApp just because of the ownership of, of Facebook, which I get, but you kind of got to balance out for yourself what what you're willing uh, willing to use. So It's almost like the Zuckerberg uh, has uh, taken away all the uh, trustworthiness from the, the brand there. Weird. Weird. Wonder, huh. wonder why. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe there's congressional hearings, but it done it for him. Yeah. Um, yeah, so for myself, like uh, Singla wins wins for me as far as the open source portion goes. It's nice to, to know that you can review the code whenever you want. But I, I use WhatsApp quite regularly as well because it's the popularity of it. Lots of people that I know use it. And it, it's like uh, like you said, the robustness of the network is great. Um, I, I have nothing to hide. So if, yeah, and 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 one thing too to say about that, um, you know, uh, you know, I use Messenger as well, um, especially to talk to family and friends and all that kind of stuff. And I do so because one, it's it's practical to use. Two, everybody's on it, right? Literally everybody I know is on Messenger. And trying to convince everybody I know to switch to uh, Signal. Um, just because it's more secure is is not going to happen, right? I mean, most people have maybe one or two, sometimes three chat apps on their phones, but you're going to use what your friends are using, which means if the prepper community is using Telegram, I'll go use it. Yeah. Um, but I'm not going to you know, start using Signal and try to con convince everybody to move over to it just because it's more secure. Because at the end of the day, for most people, something like WhatsApp is going to have enough security um, to meet their, their, their needs, right? So oh, Absolutely, yeah. And it's, you know, WhatsApp just makes it so easy to set up. A couple of buttons, sends a verification to your phone, That's it. boom, you're in and away, and then it, it grabs all of the contacts that you already know is on it, and, and away you go. But then that comes up to the, the data uh, section too, where they're starting to link everybody that you know, right? It's, but if you're willing to give that little bit of info up, well. Again, it's, it's, you know, it's a free product, so yep. therefore you are the product. Correct. You as an individual are the product. And the fact that Facebook has not yet monetized WhatsApp is beyond me. I'm surprised um, there's no ads or anything yet. I, yet, right? Yeah. Um, they could turn ads on and make a billion dollars a month off oh, yeah. easily, right? So um, they've already all got all the, the ad IDs there. Um, they've got everything in place, right? So it's just a, a matter of time, I guess, right? Oh, yeah, for sure. They're going to have to advertise it's, at some point. With it's it. going to be another cash cow soon. So Oh, absolutely. Uh, internet privacy. Uh, so <clears throat> private community uses the internet to stay connected, share ideas. Um, this podcast, for example, right? Uh, many use uh, Facebook, like we had mentioned, various groups, private, public type of groups, web forums, uh, uh, like the uh, uh, other areas to connect to discuss uh, or, uh, commonalities. So whether that be like IRC chat rooms, like the web forums, uh, you name it. Uh, but as many are aware, it also leaves a digital trail. Uh, websites want to sell you, they want to sell you advertising. So advertisers want to, want to have an ad shown to you in various spots and various sites that you're at. And they want it to transition across your entire uh, internet usage. So no matter what site you're at, they want those ads to come up and constantly be in your face so that they're getting exposure. So that means you're being tracked. Um, so it's, you know, if you ever wondered how, uh, you know, you're on Facebook and you see that advertisement and then all of a sudden you're over at Google and you see the exact same advertisement, it's because there's a little cookie that's been put on your computer that says, okay, we know this person likes this type of product. So let's show it to them across various uh, various websites to keep them exposed to the product and hopefully they buy something. 
I understand that one, the scary one. And maybe sometimes it's just a coincidence. But like if you're having a conversation with your spouse about something and then you open your phone and there's an ad for it, that freaks yeah. me out, right? Sometimes it's a co- yeah. co- coincidence just based on your habits. Uh, and, you know, it, it could be, you know, like forecasting if that that's the good word for it, you know, what you're going to be interested in. But sometimes it's happened a few times now where it's just like way too much of a coincidence, right? It just leaves yeah. you, right? Is my phone recording me? It could be. Is I mean, it's Siri an Android listening? phone. Well, right? if you think Siri is only listening when you say, hey, Siri, or whatever you you're wrong. Too, You're right? wrong. Yeah. Yeah. How, <laughs> I mean, would Siri, how would Siri know you said, hey, Siri, if Siri wasn't already or, listening? Or, yeah. Or OK Google or yeah. Alexa or all the others. They're all listening I, all the time. I mean, that's, that's, that's common knowledge. It's not a conspiracy theory. You know, we, we got a Google Home for, or I got a Google Home for Christmas. I'm like, oh, that's cute. I can turn the lights on and off by talking to it. But it's also listening to everything I say, right? So, yeah. Um, yeah. There, was, uh, there was actually one instance where somebody was having an argument. Um, with their spouse or significant other or something and mentioned the word police. And I don't know how it got triggered, but I think it was either Google Home or Alexa actually called the police department. And the next thing you know, the sheriff's office were at, were at their door because of that. I'll have to find the article. It was really, really interesting. Uh, but it's just, just yeah. something to be aware of, right? So, Yep, they're always listening. Um, so some ways to stay safe. So uh, spam email. Simple if it's uh, too good to be true, right? Don't click the link, even if you're curious. Or the freaking attachment. <laughs> but the Nigerian prince said I was going to get rich. Okay, Ian, you click the link then. And uh, <laughs> when you get all your data back in about a month from now, you can rejoin us on the podcast. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so you know, set up a firewall. Uh, you'd be surprised at how many attacks per minute are logged, even on my home internet connection firewall. Uh, mostly it's automated bots just scanning for known vulnerabilities. So it's not even necessarily yeah. that, um, you know, they, they're targeting you specifically. They're just randomly scanning the internet. Like I'll set a server up or something, yeah. and within seconds of that coming online, it's getting attacked. And That's... That was going to be one one of my biggest thing. And actually, if you look at the list that I put in the show notes, the number one thing that I have is keep your devices up to date, right? Um, You know, update your software, update your operating system, update the firmware on your router, right? Because, um, you know, soon, you know, you know, when there's a vulnerability that's found in in a device or an appliance, only very few people know about it. Um, When that vulnerability becomes known and becomes public, um, anybody... Um, like script kitties can take advantage of those vulnerabilities and and exploit your computer or your router or your network or anything, right? So, uh, you know, patching and updating and keeping everything fresh is really one of the best ways to keep yourself secure on the internet. Um, You know, if you're using big devices like, you know, Windows PCs and Linksys routers and all that kind of stuff, you know, there are millions and millions and billions of dollars being poured into security by these companies to keep you safe. And the number one thing you can do is just update your firmware, update your software. And that will, you know, that will keep a lot of these known exploits um, at bay, really. Absolutely. And and change the default passwords. Oh, God. Yeah. <laughs> admin admin is not your friend. Yeah. yeah. One, two, three, four, five. Come on. Yeah. No. Yeah. No. And the thing is, it's it's so easy. I mean, you connect to uh, an open router. You can you basically you know what um, what the IP address range is. You know what the gateway is. You go into the gateway. You get the model number. You look up on your internet what the default password is. You're in. You change it. You own that network at that point. Right, you can change the SSID. You can disable Wi-Fi. You can enable MAC address filtering, so only your device can connect to that router. Once you restart it, everything—it's—it's it's unreal. So, 
Yeah, absolutely. And just a quick Google search for the uh, the make, even just the make of the router. You don't even need, necessarily need the model, and you'll get a whole list of all the default passwords for that specific device. Even enterprise grade devices, like not just home stuff, even enterprise right. stuff, you're going to get the default login information. Make sure that you just change it. Change it to something else, and and that kind of closes one door at least. There's multiple others that, uh, right. that can be used as an attack surface, but at least that one's gone. And then at least when it comes to uh, protecting your home network, I don't think there's a router sold today on the market that doesn't come with encryption enabled. I know like a decade ago or more, um, a lot of times the encryption was off by default, which was horrible. Yes. Uh, now it's on by, by default. The minimum you'd want is something like WPA2. Um, yes, don't use, yes, don't use or anything like that. No, don't no, use, don't use that. Um, and you know that that's going to be probably enough to keep your home network safe, right? Yeah, um, as long as strong password. Right, exactly. Other things that you can do, um, like things that I do, I hide the SSID. Um, so, you know, unless you're actually searching for that network, you're not going to find it. Um, I enable MAC address filtering, which means yeah. only my devices can connect to my network. Even if you know the SSID, you yeah. know the WPA2 password. If your device isn't on the whitelist of MAC addresses, you're not going to get onto my network. And, you know, just disable the guest login. Disable yeah. it. The, yep. Terrible Just idea. Don't do it. Don't do it. That's that's a great way for somebody to get into your network, right? So, yeah, yeah. If you got a friend over that needs uh, needs access to the internet or something, it's, it's give them the password. Quick to just give them the password. Yeah, whitelist yeah. their MAC address. You're good to go. All right. Uh, Remember the good old days? The guys used to do like well, word dialing, then word driving. They would go oh. around and get free Wi-Fi from their car, and and you know, or they'd phone with the old uh, telephone routers and they phone random numbers, see if they can hook up to a uh, modem. I have no idea what you're talking about, Ian. <laughs> I had some friends that used yeah. to war drive, and we uh, oh they used to make uh, waggy antennas out of Pringles cans and, uh, and all that kind of stuff. So anyways, yeah. it's probably a topic for another show. But yeah, don't know what you're talking about. Never done it. Yeah, yeah right. So I had a friend once. Yeah. <laughs> I may have allegedly participated in that war. Right, allegedly. That's maybe. The word. Yeah. Right. <laughs> I was learning. Right, allegedly. Um, uh, VPNs. Yeah. Uh, so I know a lot of people have probably heard of uh, the virtual private networks. They're they're slowly actually noticed. Um, we're getting TV ads for them uh, out here now. Um, they're they're starting to become very popular. A uh, big popular one, uh, NordVPN. Um, I've noticed that they've actually uh, gone through a certification program uh, pro program and had a third party verify that they don't log anything. Right. Um, again, take that for what it is. They could be completely lying to your face. You don't know. Uh, but it is a good way to uh, to hide your location. Uh, doesn't work so well anymore for getting US Netflix. So that was kind of a big push for a lot of people. Uh, Netflix is getting wise to that. Uh, another option is uh, VPN Unlimited by uh, Keep Solid. That's uh, another one that I use. Um, you know, just try to find one that can keep logs. Uh, again, you're, you're completely relying on them being honest about it. Uh, for example, VPN Unlimited, they, they claim they don't keep logs, but they've actually been flagged uh, for their logging. Uh, if you actually go through their terms of service, that's where they, they say, you know, we do log this, we do log that. Right. Uh, so it's a good idea to just read over the, the terms of service for whatever provider you're using uh, because they will disclose in there what they are logging and what they're not. And I think for me, a big thing when it comes to VPN, and again, you have to balance practicality and security, right? So, I mean, I, I still I have a gigabit internet connection here. I want to take full advantage of it. Some free services, some free VPNs will limit me to five megabits a second. Why would I use that when I have a gigabit kind of connection, right? So there's that side of it. The other side of it is, to your point, um, look in the terms of, of service, look in the terms and conditions of the provider. 
Um, and to me, it really comes down to where is the company located? If they're US based, I, I don't trust them inherently, right? Um, no, some the ones, right, exactly. So, w- some one that I use is based out of the uh, Netherlands, um, and they basically their operating systems run off a CD ROM, which means that you know there's no hard drives in the systems or anything like that. So, again, there's there's, there's no logs, uh, but it comes down to uh, you know where are they, they're located, do they have logs? Um, and how many exit nodes uh, that they have. Um, and then, of course, how much bandwidth that you have available, right? So with a, a gigabit connect connection here, some of the services I'm getting upwards of 750 megabits a second, um, even That's on a v- VPN. So with that, I'm, I'm, I'm happy with that, right? So. Well, it's funny with the terms of service. I mean, how many people, present company accepted, have just clicked agree to everything every time they get a terms of service. So don't go past page one until they, unless they have to manually scroll down and hit the I accept or whatever, right? And you look at that, what was that uh, latest craze there on Facebook? Was the aging app or whatever? Oh, right, and right, actually, right. Yeah. Yeah, where it shows you what you're going to look like when you're 90 years old or whatever. And if you actually look at the terms of service, it says that basically they own your image as soon as you right. click on that. Because that it's app. a free so, service, right? Because so again, it's a free service. You so therefore, the service. They can, yeah, they can use your image in advertisements or anything else from then on for all of eternity because you just agreed to it. Yeah. <laughs> so it's just like, oh, man. So yeah, uh, but. Personally, guilty many times of just agreeing to the terms of service without reading them. So, probably good to have, but just actually take a quick peek. And uh, I just put up on the screen here for for anybody that's watching. Uh, this is the NordVPN app that allows you to connect to uh, to the various servers, and they have all kinds of options. You can find one that goes like double VPN, so it actually hops through two VPN servers before it reconnects to the internet and goes. Uh, they'll route over uh, Onion, so over Tor. Right, uh, which is an interesting one. It, it slows you down significantly just because of the way Tor works, but um, there's that option. You can see there's all kinds of servers you can connect to. Uh, you can connect to, you can come out in different countries and you can go through and, and pick wherever you really you want to come out of. Uh, fairly similar for... Well, that is, I mean, I use NordVPN, but uh, the problem with NordVPN is that you're only limited to four or six devices, I can't remember which. So uh, there is a limitation there as well per, per account, unless you want to start buying multiple yeah. accounts. Yeah, right. Keep Solid uh, VPN Unlimited is the same. Um, unfortunately, they uh, they limit you. You can buy more, uh, but yeah, they limit you to, I believe it's five. But uh, same idea. This is their, uh, their thing here, and you get all the different servers here. Uh, you can get, uh, they have servers that are even uh, set up for torrents, if that's your thing. And then ones that they uh, they have for, for streaming your various um, your various video feeds, such as Netflix. All right. So, and it's, uh, it's you know, at first I was always only using the VPN service when connecting to public Wi-Fi, like if you're at yep. Starbucks or McDonald's or something like that. That's when I was really making use of it. But then realizing that my ISP, although they give me a gigabit connection or sorry i pay for it um they package shape so basically if if i were to use a service like uh torrents um they'll basically look at the packets that are going through um from my network see that it's torrent data and they'll basically slow down my, my connection yep. based on that um whether they go tell you know the recording studio that i'm stealing music i have no idea but um you know if you're into that type of activity uh paying for a vpn is is definitely the way to to protect yourself right yeah so and then, like you said, uh, using it at uh, if you're out and you're on the public Wi-Fi, uh, for sure, this is almost a necessity. Uh, yeah. Throw the VPN on and encrypts all your data that's traveling across that network. Um, so the guy sitting two or three booths away from you isn't actually accessing your computer and stealing all your stuff or eavesdropping on your communications. Um, same in the, the hotel. Once you get connected to the hotel Wi-Fi, yeah, throw the VPN on. 
uh, at least then all your, all your communications are secured and somebody else uh, on that same network because it's public and by nature anybody right. can see your communications then it, it secures it all and, and keeps it encrypted so uh, they can't uh, eavesdrop on it and listen to it and if you don't think it's easy, um, I mean, I've been in hotels and stuff like that, and you connect to the network, and you get a free app like Wireshark, and you run it, yep. um, and you can, you know, you can map out the entire network, and you can see everything that is going through plain text. Uh, it's oh, yeah. it, 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 that's how crazy it is. Just just get a VPN. Just use the VPN. Yeah. That's, yeah, that's it's well do. worth. I think was yeah. it like two or three bucks a month for, yeah. for NordVPN. Well and I, I sometimes get questions from friends about, you know, what type of, of what level of encryption should I use with the, with the VPN? Uh, you know, should, should I use AES-128 or 256? What type of cipher should I encrypt? You know, just use whatever comes on by default. That's probably going to be your yeah. best bet. Um, and really, you know, AES-128 is secure enough that, that nobody's going to break that anytime soon. So, no. Yeah. No. Yeah. The default is for for these purposes, as far as just wanting to make sure your communications are secure from uh, interception. The defaults on these apps will absolutely do what you need. Yeah. Sure. If somebody is just using something like Wireshark um, and they see encrypted traffic and it's AES one twenty eight, they're not they're not yeah. gonna be decrypting that. In, no. So I wouldn't. No. Worry about they're that they're gonna be going for the easier target. Right. For right. sure. But uh, yeah, absolutely a, a must uh, a must for any kind of uh, public Wi Fi that you're accessing. And these. Uh, VPN clients work on cell phones as well, so you can get a client for your cell phone um, as well. Right. If you're connecting Wi-Fi on your phone, absolutely get the client and, and use it because if not, you're just you're leaving yourself open to a, a whole world of interception. There's uh, there's another thing coming on about internet security too. I noticed that recently with the most uh, recent update of Chrome, um, they actually hide um, the the extension. Um, so whether it's HTTP or HTTPS, they're hiding that now. Um, so there is a way to get that back. There's an article online if you search for it to get the to know whether you're you're on HTTP or HTTPS sites. But there's also uh, browser extensions for like Chrome and Firefox that force HTTPS. Yes. Um, to any site that you go to. So, you know, that's that's another quick win um, to ensure that that you're not transmitting anything in, 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 in clear text. Um, yeah. Those are those little wins that you can get for free that, you know, is going to make it that much safe, safer, right? So even yes. if you are running a VPN, um, it's it's still good to make sure that you're running that on a secure site, right? So Yeah, and HTTPS for any website you're putting any kind of login credentials or personal details into, Absolutely. You don't want to not be, uh, you don't want to, you don't want to not see that little lock up in the icon, uh, the lock icon up in the taskbar. Right. And, uh, yeah. Especially if you're putting in some data. Uh, Credit cards or passwords or any, anything. Right. So, yeah. yeah. Uh, another one here, antivirus. It's an older technology. Uh, if you want to feel warm and fuzzy, go ahead and get it. Um, but uh, the way things are working now, normally antivirus works on identifying certain signatures and patterns and files that have been identified as, as a virus. Uh, viruses are getting very smart these days and, and learning how to adapt and overcome that. So if you want to feel warm and fuzzy and feel like you're doing something, yeah, install one. I, I still run uh, Trend Micro personally here uh, just because I have a, a subscription and well, I may as well use it while the subscription's still good. All right. uh, but keep in mind that um, Times are changing, and, and antivirus isn't maybe as uh, as effective as it used to be, uh, but it still has a place in your in your security setup. So, I agree. I still use um, quite a bit too, right? Uh, it can. 
It depends. I mean, you know, like the computer I'm on now is a 16 core processor with 32 gigs of RAM. I mean, an antivirus that is not going to slow it. That's, that's <laughs> it. It's, you know, an antivirus is not going to slow this down at all. Right. So, and the big thing about me running an antivirus is, you know, my home network, um, you know, if I get one computer that would be infected, I don't want the rest of the network to be infected. So all the computers have it. Um, so that if there is an infection, it's going to be hopefully limited to one, one PC and not the rest of the PCs in, inside the house. Right. The nice thing with with some of them now is they're they're doing some ransomware mitigation, which is kind of nice. So if you do end up with um, the ransomware, which is the stuff that encrypts all your data and then puts that wonderful screen up that says, "Hey, you got to pay us a ransom to get your data back," um, like that news article at the beginning of the episode I was talking about, some of them are, are getting wise to the tactics that are being used there, and they'll alert you to it. Uh, so it, it might not be a bad thing <clears throat> to have. Uh, it might not catch everything, but uh, the number one way one uh, to steer clear of is. Uh, Kaspersky. Uh, it's been uh, on the radar for the last probably three or four years of being a little bit, uh, a little bit not honest with what it's doing, and just recently uh, actually got caught for uh, spying on all the users' internet usage. So it was inserting a little Java snippet on every website that uh, that you visited, and uh, put a little globally unique identifier or a GUID within that to identify you, and then it was following you around the internet. So. Are they are they Russian based? Yeah, or? they are. Yeah, so that's another <laughs> another red flag. Yeah, another red flag, right? Yeah, um, just like if Russian somebody were to say, "Hey, use this antivirus from China." No, I'm, I'm good. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so just keep an eye out for them. Uh, they've actually been pulled off of a lot of the shelves here in Canada from the retail stores. Um, they're they're not being sold. Um, at least I know Best Buy and and a couple of retailers in this area have pulled them from the shelves. Um, so steer clear of them. Right. But um, the other ones, for the most part, yeah, they're. Like I said, you can feel warm and fuzzy and feel like you're protected and at least it'll help mitigate a little bit of the ransomware stuff. Uh, but the, the number one thing, back up your stuff. Yeah. <laughs> that's, a, that's a huge so one. so cheap nowadays. So, yeah. so, so cheap. Um, I mean, whether you do it on the cloud, and we, we can talk about that cloud storage sol solution as well, or just go to Best Buy, buy a you know a five terabyte external drive for 150 bucks. Do it, do it on Black Friday, and it's going to be even cheaper, right? But that's going to give you enough enough room to store stuff, right? Absolutely. Seriously, just just do it. Um, yeah. You know, losing your wedding pic pictures is going to be the worst thing. I mean, your your wife's going to hate you forever. Yep, so absolutely. Just, yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> So, yeah, or even do both. <clears throat> Have that external drive and back up to the cloud as well. Yeah, um, yeah. But make sure if you're backing up to the cloud that you encrypt that backup and, and don't use their button that says, oh, yeah, I just encrypt my stuff because guess who has access to the keys? The provider. All right. If we're on that, that topic for a second, like I use... Um, I use Google Drive for work because um, yep. that's what we have at work. Um, I use Dropbox, um, Discovery. I've used it forever uh, for certain stuff. And then I use Sync.com, which uh, Sync.com actually encrypts at the device level, not on the server. Um, and it's a Canadian-based service, not a US-based service. So that's that's one that I use a lot for anything like documents, receipts, anything that I want to back up up there. Um, the one thing I like about things like uh, Dropbox, it's got the automatic picture upload. So I take a picture on my phone, within two or three seconds, it's in the cloud, right? So um, if somebody were to steal the phone, I've got it back up like, like automatically. But yeah, anything that's of value, um, I, will, I will locally encrypt it uh, with something like AXcrypt. 
Um, and then I will basically store it on the cloud, which is actually encrypted at the device level before it's put on the cloud. Um, and they use, I think it's like AES-256 encryption, uh, RSA-2048 um, for protecting keys. So again, it's 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 really, really safe stuff. So, yeah, And a couple other options you've got there too. Um, you can do BitLocker on your local machine or VeraCrypt for, for local drives as well, or you can make right. a little uh, VeraCrypt container, put all the stuff that you want to back up to the cloud in there and then upload it to the cloud. And then you're the only one with the keys. Right, and and just on the on the topic, as I know you had mentioned about you know will this slow slow down your PC encryption will slow down some PCs, but um, a lot of new PCs are coming out with SSDs that have um, hardware encryption, um, so it's not taken away from your CPU power. This is all being done yeah. on the hard drive. It's really seamless. It's transparent. Um, you have to do it, especially for like a laptop, because if somebody gets gets hold of your laptop, your internet security doesn't matter if everything is on is on your laptop and it's it's clear as day, right? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Full, full disk encryption on a laptop for sure. Or any Man. mobile type of device or even your desktop tower PCs. Right. You may as well do it because if, if that, uh, if that grows legs and walks away one day, everything on it, everything's right. there. And don't right. think that your windows password is going to stop people. Not for a second. I've, I've got <laughs> tools from when I used to work. I can, yep. I put a CD ROM or like a USB key in and I'm, I'm through in seconds. You don't right? even, so. you don't even need that. Just plug the drive into another machine. Right. Right. Away you go. Yeah, the, so full full disk encryption is yeah. is the way to go. And um, you know, my laptop is 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 a ThinkPad, so there's there's a boot mm -hmm. password um, yeah. on top of a disk encryption password, right? So you'd really have to get through all of that. And somebody who you know, if I leave my laptop behind at Starbucks and somebody steals steal steals it, I'm not worried about the data. That's not yeah. going anywhere, right? So exactly, and that's that's the main uh, the main concern, right? Is is if you know, like your computer stores all kinds of personal information, if it walks away. People are going to be able, whoever stole it's going to be able to gain access to your stuff um, and have it encrypted. I forget his name, but the guy that used to run a Silk Road website, the only way they caught him was because he was in his he was in a library using his laptop and somebody distracted him and they grabbed the laptop. And that was the only way that they had access to the data because he had full disk encryption. So they knew that if if they if he managed to power down that laptop before they got him because of the what I forgot which right it is they have in the United States, the right not to self-incriminate and give give um, authorities his password, they would have never been able to access that uh, laptop. Uh, but mm -hmm. the way that they did it is that they distracted him. Uh, he was momentarily looking the other way, and an agent walked up and grabbed the laptop, and that's all that they needed. That's it. Oh, interesting. So yeah, encryption didn't do much for 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 him at that point, right? So. <laughs> Uh, to demystify the cloud a little bit, because everybody throws that term around and, and says, oh, I'll just put it in the cloud, I'll put it in the cloud. Uh, all it is, is a server sitting somewhere in a data center, uh, just so people can kind of get their heads wrapped around that. It, it's just a big, powerful computer sitting in a temperature controlled data center somewhere where you're throwing right. your data. So when you think of it that way, it, it's like your, your laptop. You can you can plug it in, set it up as a file uh, file server, and say, "Hey, this is my new uh, my new cloud service. Upload my, your stuff to my cloud service," and then people start uploading to it. Right. And if uh, you look at a lot of the better cloud services, they actually replicate your data across multiple yeah. data centers um, and, and across are, the world. Across the world. So these are not cheap services. But no. if one data center, one region, one country were to go down, 
um, your data is rubber replicated in, in several servers, several data centers, right? So, yeah. Yeah, which is good uh, for redundancy purposes, but just that's, again, that's why we're kind of pushing the, you know, make sure that your stuff's encrypted or make sure right. that it's, it's secure somehow, because it's not just some big magical up in the, uh, up in the sky, your data just goes and, and nobody can access it. it. It's just a server and a data center that really any data center technician can walk up to the server, log right. into the terminal and, and, and look at your stuff if uh, he or she chooses to do so. And so. for the most part, you don't know where your data is sitting. No, um, right. So that's, that's a big thing. And a lot of, a lot of times you'll see the U S wanting companies to set up data centers within their borders because at that point they have, they can see the data, they can control the data at that point. Right. So, yeah, and they, and they have legal means to access it if they have to. Exactly. Whereas if it sits outside their, 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 uh, their borders, then they have to go through political channels and yeah. So, and some fun. countries just don't care. Some countries just don't yeah. care. <laughs> like if you were to send a court order to Burundi or, you know, yeah, they'll, well they'll get right on it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> First $20. Yeah. Check, yeah. yeah. Once you're that to check with it. Right. So, yep. Exactly. Uh, I think we touched on it. The uh, the Internet of Things or the IoT devices, like your uh, your smart coffee maker that connects to the Internet for whatever weird reason. You've got a fridge. smart coffee maker? Yeah. <laughs> they exist. I don't have one, but they exist. Uh, you know, Actually, like I've got a fridge. smart dryer, believe it or not. Yeah. I just found out yeah. that there's an app for my dryer that tells me on my phone when the clothes are done. Ah. I, Does it yeah. fold them? Uh, no, not yet. Okay, but, no uh, that might be <laughs> not that smart then. <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> but keep in mind that uh, the people are using these for uh, nefarious things. So if they can gain access to them, they, they have enough power that they can actually turn them into a botnet and, and do denial of service attacks with them and all kinds of other distributed types of attacks. And it might even be, it could be done without your knowledge, right? And so. the scary thing is I saw uh, at Home Depot recently, some of these Samsung fridges that are, have the IoT have built-in webcams and cameras. Yeah. So somebody is able to exploit that they have yes. a webcam in your home, right? So, yeah. And then a common place where everybody hangs out, including your kids, right? Right. Or if you're getting a late night stack at two o'clock in the morning, you're, you're, yeah. you're unmentionables, right? Yeah. So <laughs> you don't want that either. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think anybody wants that. No. So, so just keep in mind, like we touched on it before for the, the routers and, and kind of the backbone stuff for your home network to, to make sure you change the default passwords on those, but make sure that your internet of things uh, devices like that fridge, Make sure that they're updated as well. There'll be ways yep. to update them, and make sure you change default passwords on them as well, because all it takes is is one little uh, script kitty or automated bot or something right. to gain control of it, and it's it's attacking who knows what where. You don't even know what's happening. And and to me too, I mean, if you don't, if you've got a device that's connected, that's great because a lot of things are coming like that now. But if you don't need that feature, just turn it off. Yeah. Um, like I've got a, a wireless printer here that, you know, for some reason allowed me to connect to the internet with it. I, why? Right. I just, I, I turned that off. Right. So it's nice to have it if you need it, but if you don't just turn it off, it's just one, one less thing you have to worry about. Yeah, exactly. Well, it's, it's getting pretty crazy. Cause even like, uh, uh, headphones for the range, like uh, mm. the electric ones have Bluetooth connectivity for your smartphone. Yeah. So it's, and there's other software updates available for these uh, uh, Pelter headsets and stuff nowadays. So that's getting pretty crazy. Wow. Oh, what a world. Yeah. Uh, one thing I really wanted to touch on was um, passwords. Um, yeah. That is, that's something I preach to people every day. Like, um, you know, use a password manager. Um, like I use LastPass. I've used it for yep. uh, probably six or seven or eight years now. Right. So, and the beauty about that is that, you know, you can create one really complex password that becomes your master password. You can set up, you know, 2FA or two-factor authentication where 
I have it with a physical key. So it's a Yubi key. I actually don't, don't have it right here. I was going to show you, but it's a physical key that you've got to have. So the whole thing about two-factor authentication is something you know and something you have. So even if somebody were to get hold of my really complex password, they still can't get access to my my password locker because of the fact that they don't have that that thing that you need, right? Um, and whether that's a YubiKey or they send you a text message or you use um, an application on your phone like Google, like Google Authenticator, um, you know, you really have to do that. And then, you know, LastPass allows you to do things as well, like it allows you to limit uh, mobile devices attached to, to your account. So you can you can sign in from your phone, but then you have to go into the account on a computer and allow that phone to connect. So it just really locks it down too, right? Yeah, it's nice. Uh, I use it as well, and it's great. You can use it across multiple devices. So you can there's even like a, a Google Chrome plugin. So right. you can just click on the website that you want to go to, click on it, it goes to it, autofills the form for you logs you in, but it doesn't do that until you've authenticated yourself with your master password and your two-factor authentication. Uh, same with your phone. There's an app for it. Um, I've got it on my iPhone. It's great for being out and about if I need a password for something. And they've got a secure uh, location as well for notes. So it's all encrypted. Right. Um, yep. you can put some notes and reminders in there if you need them. Uh, that's where I put all my backup codes for yep. two-factor authentication for sites. And and that's another thing, too. I mean, wherever possible, turn on 2FA for websites, yes, right? Absolutely. I have it for things like Facebook. I have it for banking. I have it for PayPal. I have it for anything that that could potentially, um, you know, harm my interests in, in, in any way, right? Yep. Um, and if, if a service provider doesn't have it, call them, email them, ask them why not, you know, when, when's it coming, right? So, and a lot of times that is the different, the differentiator um, as to why I pick a service is whether or not they have that two-factor authentication. It's not foolproof. It's not, no. but no, definitely it's, not. again, it's, it's good enough security, right? Yeah, so. It's an extra layer. Right, exactly. Right. I mean, you know, if they only have SMS, I mean, people could, you know, uh, spoof, spoof your SIM card. Yeah. There's all, all sorts of ways that, but somebody would have to be really determined to get after you. And I'm just not yeah. that interesting, right? So <laughs> <laughs> well, you're on this podcast, so maybe someone's right. so I, I have some some fame <laughs> here, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's true. Two factor authentication for sure. And uh, and last pass just makes life so much easier. And, uh, you can also do um, like family setup with them. So you can share passwords with significant others if you need to. You can, it'll do a random uh, password generation for you as well if you need to uh, right. generate passwords for your different sites. So it'll generate strong passwords and then save them. So you're. And, and that's a good point too, because I, I, you know, I was guilty of it at first that I would have a semi strong password. I'm talking about like eight characters with, with uppercase, lowercase, special characters, and all that kind of stuff. So it was, a, it was a safe password, but I used it everywhere, which means that if it was compromised on one yeah. site, it was compromised on every site. Because if I got co compromised on one site, they knew my email address and my password, and they couldn't go in on any other site and try it. So now every single site that I use has a separate password, which is generated by LastPass, which is like a 24-character hexadecimal password. You're not going to guess it anytime soon. And even if you hack one site, you're not going to get the rest of my stuff. So no. that's really important too. Yeah, and it makes it really easy to do. They even have a, an automated setup uh, for the more well-known services where you right. can say, hey, here's my current credentials. Please go in and change them all. Right. Uh, put new <clears throat> secure passwords in, then log them in the system. And so they, they make life easy that way. So yeah, and a lot of services um, like Google and Facebook allow uh, you can allow them to send you notifications that there's a login, yes. um, whether it's known or unknown. So I have that turned on as well. So even if somebody were to get my password, 
they were to somehow get my two two FA device, um, if there's a, if there's a login that happens, I get a notification of it, which which is great because if it wasn't me, I, I still have the ability to click no, and it automatically locks that person out and locks yep. down the account too, right? So that's a great thing to 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 turn on as well. It's not a nuisance, um, and and really, it's 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 a lifesaver, right? So. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Last thing you want is somebody getting into any of your social media or any other type of accounts and, and starting to, to post all kinds of stuff because it's hard to clean up. That's for sure. Right. Uh, so what else do we have here? So uh, actually, we'll just go, you guys looking for the other notes, uh, back to the original landline phone lines. It's kind of funny how full circle we've come in the fact that if you know Snowden could teach us anything, it's just a few clicks. And you know, back in the day, they could get information off anybody anywhere with any app. And now it seems landlines, there has to be a physical access to the lines. They're actually somewhat mildly more secure than digital. <laughs> of course, they still you know can just tap your lines anytime. But remember that used to be the big old thing back in the day was tapping phone lines. And now it's almost yeah, it's almost uh, landlines are like you know secure compared to uh, to wireless lines. And I yeah. remember the old analog cell phones that weren't, um, nothing was encrypted, right? So if you, have, if you had the right scanner, you could pick up on those uh, conversations. But obviously, now that everything is digital, you know, you're not going to pick, pick up on that stuff, right? So, Yeah, well, interesting enough, too, is that uh, back when Trump first uh, sent out some uh, feelers to Kim Jong-un, he sent letters via mail, like, no, via courier and stuff. But he actually used, like, written letters to, to communicate. Now, maybe that's because North Korea has no computers, but... <laughs> <laughs> I, I found it was kind of funny the fact that you have to use the written word versus digital communication. So wow. I was like, oh, yeah. That's interesting. Hmm. All right. Anybody on the panel have anything extra to, to add in or just they want to discuss? Well, you guys are further along than I am, so I, I got nothing. I think the last one I had was, um, you know, I buy a lot of stuff online. Um, I, you know, uh, most of everything I buy now is online, except for groceries and all kind of stuff. <clears throat> I know that that PayPal is probably not the most popular service, but using a service like PayPal um, protects some of your personal identity, especially things like, uh, you know, your address, your credit card for information, all kind of stuff, uh, because you're only storing it in one place. PayPal has very, very, very robust security. Um, and, and, you know, when, when paying online, you know, you don't want a site to store that information. So if you're using a service like PayPal or Google pay, um, you know, they safeguard your information, your address and all that kind of stuff. So that's just another thing to think about is you're not putting your credit card and your address and everything on every site that you go to, as long as you can use services like Google pay and PayPal and all kind of stuff. And they've got some built-in protections as well. If you do get, uh, screwed over on a deal or something, they, uh, they got some buyer and, and some seller protectors. Right, exactly. Nice as well. All right. Well, maybe we'll uh, we'll move into the podcast challenge then. All right. Well, it's a bit of a hypocritical alert coming from a podcast on uh, on YouTube, but uh, lower your internet footprint. So you should try to apply <laughs> some uh, true gradient theory to your Facebook profile. You try to be less predictable and less marketable with the VPN. So don't be the product versus uh, the, the the free stuff. So yeah, just try and uh, lower your internet footprint. Yeah, if you find uh, if you find a good VPN or, or another way of lowering your footprint, uh, let us know at uh, feedback at prepperpodcast.ca. Uh, always interested in picking up a new VPN provider if uh, if anybody knows of one or, or any other ways of uh, lowering your footprint. We can uh, get it out on the next episode as well. We can uh, come back to the closing there in a second, uh, Eric. But yeah. do you want to, Hughes? Do you have to take off? Um, I do. I've got like three minutes left. So okay, you just want to tell us where to get a hold of you, and we can go back to the rest. 
Yeah, sure. Um, so uh, you can get a hold of me at hfxprepper at uh, gmail.com. Oh, right there. Look at that. Or uh, on my YouTube channel at hfxprepper if you search for that there. Right on. Well, uh, that's case. We'll let you go ahead and have yourself a good day. Thanks for joining us. Uh, we'll come back to the rest. Yeah. Thank you. You guys have a good night. All right. Thanks, see you. Bye now. All, All right. right. So upcoming, upcoming events. events. All right. So I got a couple here. Uh, tactical and competitive shooting sports show. So TACOM. It's uh, September 6th to 8th in, in Toronto. Uh, it's available to, for with more information at TACOMCanada.com. Uh, just think like SHOT Show for Canada. There was a recent CCFR podcast episode which covered it in great detail. Um, it's actually uh, more stuff than I thought even. Um, they do actually have Glock SIG and um, I think CZ showing up with uh, all sorts of demo guns and everything else there as well. Nice. So it's definitely worth uh, checking out. And it's actually not downtown uh, Toronto either. It's actually at the International Center near the airport. Ah, so Mississauga. Yeah, so it's actually easier to get to than I thought. And um, yep. so if you're in the anywhere near the GTA, I hate to say it, but <laughs> <laughs> it's worth checking out for sure. Like if I could, I'd, I'd love to go, but yeah, it's my daughter's birthday and everything else. I can't. Yeah. I can't um, make it either. I'm, I'm gone on our annual fishing trip. So. Yeah, and then so also the uh, Parksville Qualicum Gun Show. It's not a big show, but I thought I'd mention it because I'm going to be there. And uh, it's yeah. September 5th, 2019 at uh, the Coombs Fairground. It's uh, near the town of Parksville, BC, and uh, the infamous goats on the roof. Uh, if you ever want to Google that for a little bit of fun, it's kind of funny. Uh, I'll be manning the CCFR booth there as well with uh, information packets and membership information. Uh, there is a website in the show notes for that. It's just gunshowscanada.ca slash gun show so it's also right around the corner from a company military surplus which has great uh, gore-tex boots and uh, jackets on the cheap ah good to know so, yeah and that's pretty much all i had for upcoming events all right so i'll just a reminder that uh, if you're hosting an event or uh, you know one of your area that you figure would be uh useful to the preparedness community uh let us know we'll add it to this section of the show just uh flip an email over to feedback at uh, prepperpodcast.ca and uh, we'll make sure to read it out and, and get the word out. And we'll move into uh, some shout-outs. So I've, uh, I've got one here just to StreamYard. They are our new provider for, uh, for streaming the podcast live on YouTube. Um, so far, so good. Um, everything's been great with them. The support's been awesome. I've had to send in a couple of questions to them. And I get a, a reply on almost instantly, about five or ten minutes later, support uh, support tech has replied to my question and, and either implemented a change I've asked for or has said that they've added it to the list. So uh, quite impressed with them. They've been uh, been really good. And, you know, they're, they're helping us keep the podcast uh, going live. So. And they're actually, yeah. you said you were actually able to get a hold of like a live human, uh, not just an yeah. automated bot or FAQ, yeah. right? No, yeah, this was uh, via like a live chat, uh, and I just sent a quick question saying, "Hey, I want to know how this works, or are, are you thinking about doing this?" And the reply back was, "Yep, and uh, it's implemented." So, Done. Cool. So yeah, yeah. So they uh, they're really good. So uh, for a, they're still a beta product, but uh, for a beta product, they're working uh, quite well. So quick shout out to them. Yeah, that's awesome. Uh, for myself, I've got a uh, shout-out to new listener Brian. Um, I think he should be listening to this podcast uh, when it comes out here on iTunes. Looking forward to hearing his feedback. Awesome. And for email and iTunes reviews, we've actually, uh, as the, we, the episode is being recorded here, we got an email in, uh, and it is 
from uh, Podcast Analytics saying, congratulations, Canadian Pepper Podcast is now ranked number 1,136 on the Apple Podcast Society and Culture Chart in the United States of America. <laughs> well, okay. That's, that's almost like a participation badge, but I'll take it. <laughs> hey, you know what? That's all right. <laughs> we're, we're being noticed. That's true. Right? Makes us feel so, special. Yeah. Hey, that's right. 1,136 is, well, somewhere on the list at least. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, if you think about it, Germany came in second place in World War II. Uh, th there you go. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. Uh, as far as iTunes reviews, we are up to 29 five stars. We got that one little guy, four star, and uh, the one star that is still showing us that we are doing things right. So. That's good. And we've got a new written review. Uh, it's from KDog247365, left on uh, August 19th, 2019. It says, uh, what a great show for my commute to work. Uh, I enjoy the topics and the pace of the podcast. Good job. So I uh, appreciate the review there. I'm glad we can keep you entertained on your ride to work. And yeah, that's it. Uh, the inbox uh, besides that has been pretty dry. So. Uh, with that, I'll bring uh, episode number 34 of the uh, Canadian Prepper Podcast to an end. Uh, you can find the podcast on iTunes, Podbean, Spotify, and your favorite podcast app. Uh, please help us out. Take a few minutes and submit a review. Uh, it helps other people find us. Uh, you can also find us at prepperpodcast.ca and, of course, on Facebook. All right. We record these shows on StreamYard now. If you want an early peek at the shows, please, con or please subscribe to the YouTube channel, Canadian Prepper Podcast, and click on the notifications tab. That gives you alerts when we're going live. You can each, uh, reach Ian directly by emailing me at theislandcreek at gmail.com. You can also find me giving my two cents worth on Canadian Patriot Podcast, also available on iTunes and YouTube. There you can find us exposing more government waste, squirreling off on the odd firearms-related banter, and generally drowning our sorrows at the diminishing freedoms we face as time goes on. All right, and please uh, check me out at uh, rapidsurvival.com. Uh, you can get me there in the live chat uh, while buying some prepper gear. You can also email me at feedback at prepperpodcast.ca. So uh, thanks for joining us, and you can tune in for the next episode, Keto Diet and Prepping. Uh, until next time, be prepared, stay safe, and keep learning. <laughs>